Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Huge win for the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight over the New York Knicks. 107 to 90. What a response by Darius Garland and company. Getting things all knotted up at one game apiece. And now the Cavs have reclaimed home court advantage as the series shifts to New York City. Madison Square Garden on Friday night will be game three. We'll break down all of our instant analysis reaction from a big game two win at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse coming up on the Cavs Insider Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Cavs Insider Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed our coverage throughout the course of the season. And of course, we are excited to cover the Cavs here during the playoffs. I'm Brendan Gulick, John Rutter, also covering from home. Spencer German on location tonight at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. By the way, you can follow us on our uh, social media handles at Cavs Insider underscore FN for Fan Nation. Of course, we're part of the Sports Illustrated Media Group and uh, over on the website at uh, CavsInsider.com. Uh, we're obviously live on our YouTube channel, guys, here post game, but also this is available after the fact. I know a lot of folks listen to it afterward. Spence, why don't we start with you because you had eyes on the game as it was happening in front of you. The rest of us were watching from home. Uh, what was it like watching Darius Garland go crazy tonight? Oh, I mean, it definitely sparked uh, the, the crowd tonight. was really into it from the beginning, just watching him kind of step up um and he and he talked pregame well jb talked pregame i should say just about how he had sort of had a private conversation pulled darius garland aside and made a point in saying hey shoot the ball and you know don't don't waste opportunities leave it all out on the court and he certainly came out firing tonight 32 points he had seven assists to go along with it and he was the offensive spark in that first half that really kind of set the tone um it was kind of in, in some ways a little bit of role reversal because we're so used to seeing Donovan Mitchell take over in these games and kind of have to carry the workload offensively. But he was able to kind of sit back, and there was a number of times where he made some awesome plays. He had actually a career-high 13 assists, um, and he was kind of a decoy where the defense sort of converged on him, and then he'd find Evan Mobley or somebody cut into the basket, and that kind of, again, you generally see him being the offensive guy and, and Garland sort of being the facilitator. 
and they kind of switched positions tonight and it, and it worked beautifully. Um, I think there's still something to be said for those two guys kind of feeling out like who's taking over on any given night. And we're probably going to see throughout the series that there might be a game where Mitchell has to do what he normally does. And Garland goes back to being the facilitator. But tonight it was certainly all about Darius Garland and man, was he awesome to watch. He, he could not miss from three early on. Oh, and look, I, I thought like the, the idea of, you know, the points being distributed maybe more evenly than they had been in game one, John, was was obviously important. But I, I don't know that I want to see Donovan Mitchell have to feel like he's got to carry the load every single night. Maybe yeah. Darius Garland just got some of like those early nerves out of the way. Yeah, and I was watching the first couple of minutes of that game tonight and thinking back to last year in the play-in games and how valuable that playoff experience would have been had they gotten into that round. I think that hindsight, looking back on that, that could have been a tremendous growing experience so they wouldn't have necessarily had those nerves in game one tonight. Um, but it was good to see them to, to shake that off, and I think that you know this Cavaliers team tonight kind of played in the mold that maybe we expected them to play in. Uh, Spence talked about Donovan kind of being a little bit more like decoy, but you know that he's always there to knock down a shot when you need it. It's when the other guys are clicking like Darius Garland was. Evan Mobley struggled in game one. Karis LeVert struggled in game one. That all rectified itself. Uh, we've talked really all season long about how inconsistent this team was, and maybe we saw a little bit that a little bit of that here early on in the season, uh, or the, or the series rather, but what you wanted to see – Tonight was the Cavs come out. You wanted to see Darius have a good night. You wanted to see bench scoring, specifically from a guy like Karis LeVert. And everyone talked about the rebounding department. The Cavs badly out-rebounded in game one. They rectified that. And when you have guys out there on the floor like Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, you cannot get out-rebounded like you did in game one. Rebounding, I'm sure JB would probably be one of the first pe people to tell you this, that's that's not necessarily a skill thing. That's more of kind of like a want to thing. And maybe you can kind yeah. of trace that back to having some of those first game jitters in that first playoff game. But uh, the rebounding edge going to the Cavaliers tonight, 43 to 36. So it was good to see them clean up on the glass this evening, too. Yeah, I, th I think that to your point, John, like I think that really did set the tone. I mean, it's so cliche, especially after the game one loss to kind of come out and say, you know, they got out out muscled or they were out physical or, you know, they have to have more want to in certain areas like offensive rebounding. Um, and but but I think like all those things sort of played out in real time on the court tonight. Uh, you saw a, a Cavs defense. You could tell from the outset that they were really flustering Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, others with the way that they were playing defense. I mean, you talk about one, two, John, and, and and trying to put in that effort, especially on, on the glass. And you saw early, and even if they didn't get the rebound, it was like they were tipping the rebound. They were, they were at least getting a hand on it coming down. And then on top of that, just when guys were going up with the ball, they were stripping it, and it was from across the board. It was the, it was the five starters, and then it was Karis LeVert when he came in. It was Jetty trying to hang with, with Jalen Brunson. He was the first sub off the bench for Isaac Okor after he got a couple fouls. And he was, you know, he was putting forth the effort. So it was good to see all around. Um, and as cliche as it is, I think that was the biggest difference between game one and game two was just the effort, specifically on the defensive end. We know how much JB emphasizes that that side of the, the floor. We know that that is the staple of this team. And it's going to be interesting because – we talk about in, in a seven-game series like this, what's gonna, what are you going to be able to take on the road and what's going to what, help you on the road when you go into a hostile environment, everyone always says your bench 
you know, the, the role players aren't always going to play as well and you're in a, a, a hostile environment like you're going to get at MSG. Okay, well, the one thing that should travel is the defense that you played with tonight. So if they come out with that effort again, there's no reason why they can't win uh, in Madison Square Garden on Friday. Yeah, and look, I mean, I, I kind of I, – I wanted to see this team win because winning solves so many things. But I, I just felt like they needed to have the response that – after taking a real gut punch in game one that they were willing to show, you know what, we're, we're going to be the ones that, you know, play the physical brand of basketball that the playoffs demand. Um, and it just so happened that in addition to that, they got hot and that second quarter was really, really impressive offensively. I mean, they outscored the Knicks 34, 17, and, and it was just kind of an avalanche from there on top of that guys in the, in the second half, uh, Jalen Brunson hit six foul shots, but he did not make a basket from the floor in the second half, which I thought was also a pretty notable difference from where we saw game one because he was really tough in yeah. the first game of the series. Uh, and, and Spence, you had alluded to when Isaac Okoro picked up those couple fouls. Uh, after playing those first couple minutes of the game, he, he didn't return to the floor. Some of that might have been because, you know, we saw some good stuff from Jetty, and obviously Karras got really hot and played really well. Um, I'm very, very confident that Isaac Okoro is going to have a place in this series. This is not the be-all, end-all, you know, we're, we're done with Isaac Okoro. Um, but it was clearly another hot hand tonight. It was good to see because we've talked about it leading up to this series too. The Cavs bench needs to step up. They are a top-heavy roster, uh, at least as the season went along. And when looking against the Knicks, you felt like the Cavs' star power was better than New York's. When it came to bench play, if it got into a game where you needed to showcase your depth, the Knicks might have the upper hand there, and the Cavs did a good job answering that tonight. Yeah, and, I'll, and to follow up on that, Brennan, just quickly, you mentioned Isaac Okoro's role on this team. J.B. Bickerstaff was kind of asked about that. He's, he's not going to give away any trade secrets, of course, <laughs> of what Game 3 is going to look like. But, um, you know, he, he kind of said the cliche, you know, we're going to ride with the guys who give us the best chance to win in certain situations – and obviously alluding to the fact that tonight that was Karras. Um, and he, you know, he, he gave his flowers, if you will, to Akoro, Akoro saying, hey, he's been big for us in certain spots and in certain games this year. This is by no means like a long-term thing for him. But that said, I'm curious to see what this means for, for Akoro in, in game three. I'm curious to see if they revert to, yeah, Karras the Vert's still going to be that, that, that guy off the bench. He wasn't actually, technically he wasn't the first guy off the bench tonight. It was Jetty. But I'm curious to see if he just goes back into that, you know, off the bench role like he's played most of the season or if the performance tonight sort of warrants him being inserted into that three spot in the starting lineup. Because let's face it, like, yeah, the offense was there. He had the 24 points. But defensively, too, he was giving Jalen Brunson some fits. And that was something that you really needed on the defensive end of the floor for this team. So maybe there's something there that 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 provides a tweak for for game three. Yeah, we know what Okoro brings, and it's always been defense first, right? And I think that that's one of the reasons why you can really expect him to be reinserted into this lineup at some point. The offense has really always been kind of the question mark. He has answered some of those questions throughout the season, but again, consistency is king, specifically in the playoffs. And we've seen uh, Isaac Okoro be one of the more inconsistent scorers, but he has shown some capability coming down. Uh, the stretch here, knocking down, did knock down a big game winner towards the end of the season. Um, so I think that the the confidence uh, might just kind of need 
built for Okoro to kind of round out that offensive game. And speaking of confidence, you could just really feel that start to build, specifically in that second quarter, right, Brandon? You were talking about how how much they outscored New York by in that second quarter. When you start knocking down some threes, you start feeling a little bit better about yourself. Um, Darius made that incredible, like, no-look pass to Jarrett down low for a basket. The crowd starts to feel off that. You start feeling a little bit better about yourself. You could just kind of see it start to snowball there. Uh, and, and all it took was them just kind of knocking down some shots, getting into a little bit of groove, and getting that crowd behind him. I think that it, it, that helped really you know, kind of get the ball rolling on, on that success that they had tonight. What did you guys think of Danny Green? I mean, I realized the stat line wasn't overly impressive, but I felt like he was really noticeable. I mean, I I felt like I saw him, you know, in the thick of things a lot on the floor. It doesn't really matter to me if you're not lighting up the, uh, you know, lighting up the point column on the on the box score. It's not like he took a bunch of shots and and you know had a bunch of bad misses. He was one of two shooting the ball, but he played 20 minutes tonight. I thought that was really important. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, Brennan, I think um, – I guess it wasn't all that surprising to see him play. He kind of took, I feel like, Dean Wade's role or minutes tonight. Yeah. it's It kind of felt like, which, listen, I'll do respect to Dean Wade. I think he's a guy who they thought when they re-signed him at the beginning of the season, they were going to be getting more out of this year. And I just don't think you can warrant playing him for extended minutes at this point. I, I get, I guess, the idea behind – Starting him in game one, you, a little bit more size. You thought maybe he was going to give you some rebounding ability, but that didn't. That obviously backfired. So, yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing with Danny Green for me. I still sort of go back to the trade deadline and feel – I know they didn't trade for him, but that was around the time where, where there was the Kevin Love rumors and then he obviously gets out of Cleveland. And it seemed like them adding Danny Green through the buyout market was kind of what forced Kevin Love to finally just be like, there's no chance I'm getting back into rotation now that they're adding this guy. And so I've kind of been waiting to see, like, are they going to use him? Is he going to be part of the rotation at some point? Because, yeah, I understand it's a buyout guy. It's not like you're expecting some massive role for him. But then you see what Kevin – I mean, you talk about fans of, of teams sort of being very hyperbolic. The Cavs lose. Then you go see what Kevin Love did that night. He put up, like, 18 points off the bench for Miami, and they win – and everyone's like, we could be using this guy. So the fact that he got into the lineup tonight I think was awesome for them because it at least shows that we're going to try to get him some minutes. We're going to try to get him a chance to play and utilize this asset that we think we have. It seems like maybe his delay in getting out there was still sort of recovering from the injury that he had. But, yeah, I mean, he knocked down the 1-3. He had another one he knocked down that he actually stepped out of bounds so it didn't count. 
Um, but even on the defensive end, he he showed us some things that I was kind of impressed by for being a little bit of a, a veteran, older pr- player who's obviously coming off of a knee injury. I don't know that he has some massive impact on this series long term, but if you can get a few minutes from him where he's knocking down a couple shots for you, of course you'll take it for a team that obviously had bench issues all season. You want to talk about worst-case scenario, oh, my gosh, that's what everybody in Cleveland was thinking when they saw Kevin Love and the 18 yeah. points that he put up. Like, other one, well, where was this? Like, right, exactly, hands on the head. Like, oh, my God. I, I just remember, like, I, I went back to so many photos that I had of him pregame with his thumb taped up, and just you could tell that he was not the same Kevin Love that we saw last year. And, um, there, you know, there, he had just kind of lost a step, and there wasn't really going to be a role for him in Cleveland. And then – uh, to see Danny Green come in and looking at the stat sheet, you see that 20 minutes and that certainly jumps out at you. If yeah. he's able to, I, I was watching him on a few offensive possessions. and I noticed the fact that he just kind of floats to the corner and I'm kind of content with that because he's a guy, uh, you know, out of everybody else that's, that's on that roster that, that you're going to bring in off the bench, you know, Jetty's inconsistent from three. We've talked about Isaac Okoro and his inconsistencies. I think that if you're looking for a guy that is out there, hanging around the three, hanging around in the corner that's able to knock down shots, it is Danny Green. So I think that that inherently provides value if he's still able to stick his nose in there and get things dirty on the defensive end. I'll tell you this, the crowd, the crowd loves seeing Danny Green get out there and he hit that three. They were going nuts when he knocked that one down. <laughs> they sure were. How about this? We get, a, we get a note from Tom that says, welcome back, John. You know what? Welcome back, John, for sure. Tom's been one of our uh, Tom's been one of our viewers and listeners since day one, and every time I would put up a stream, whether it was at a press conference or a pre or post game presser from JB, Tom's usually the first one on there asking how everybody was doing. So glad that we got a win for you tonight, and it's good to be back here on the broadcast. Hey, uh, you know, I, I guess I didn't notice this so much during the game, guys, but when you look at the box score, there's one other number that's super glaring. And it ties into the you know, probably the biggest pregame storyline. Was Josh Hart going to play? His plus minus tonight was minus 29. Yeah. That is eye-popping. I don't know that I noticed him, like, brutally struggling. But, I mean, obviously he was a liability defensively uh-huh. if, with a plus minus like that. There, there was a stretch, Brendan, where he uh, got called for that technical foul. Right. And then I want to say this was the second quarter, I think. He got called for the technical foul. Then on like an inbound play, they threw him the ball near the sideline. It bounced off his hands and went out of bounds. And then a couple possessions later, somebody tried to throw him a pass and it went off the back of his head and the Cavs led to a Cavs turnover that when that led to a transition bucket. So that was probably the most glaring moment for him where he was kind of really struggling. Um, but you're right. Like, yeah, his, he was the guy who in game one, we were all sitting there Again, Cavs fans overreacting as they do. Um, you know, oh, why didn't we trade for Josh Hart at the trade deadline? Look how impactful this guy is off the bench for the Knicks. And then in game two, more of an issue there, and the Cavs sort of took advantage. So it, it just goes to show you, like, you can't, I, I think, game to game, read too much into one or two little things here or there. Guys are going to step up here, you know, uh, in, some, in some games more than others. Shots are going to fall for guys in some games more than others. And I think the Cavs probably found something that they could exploit on the on the other end of it. But from here, the series is evened up, and you know it's a chess match from here. Which coach is going to be able to sort of pull out some different some different uh, concepts and some different things that some different tricks that maybe they didn't they they have up their sleeve? And that's kind of how these seven game series tend to be decided. So yeah, I mean it's great that the Cavs responded the way they did, and to have this thing evened up going to New York is is immense. 
John, I'll let you start. I just want to say maybe we kind of close with some, you know, biggest takeaway kind of thoughts as you as you think about how to encapsulate, you know, this full game from tonight. What's the the most prominent thing that stands out to you? I think the biggest thing is the fact that they were simply able to just shake off what was what was kind of a, a, a bad loss, right? You we've we've talked about uh, how important seeding was coming into this postseason. Um, the Cavs get the four seed. We know how good they were at home all season long. So I think that coming into this series, you had to be really feeling pretty good about what you were what you were sitting with, knowing that you had home court advantage, knowing how well you played uh, on your home floor all season long. Yeah, you've had your struggles against the Knicks so far this season, but you can kind of throw that away and kind of get focused on uh, on postseason basketball. Um, and then you know just the jitters and you know the you know the I want to say if I'm looking for like one word to describe what we saw in game one, it was just like, like uncharacteristic, right? That wasn't exactly what we have grown to know and expect from that, from this Cavaliers team all season long. Um, You know, there are ups and downs obviously in an 82 game series, but you kind of expect some of those consistent uh, hallmarks to be there, right? The defense, the rebounding. And we didn't necessarily see that in game one. So to see that kind of rectify itself, uh, in game two, I thought was was a good sign. And Spence, you kind of used the the buzzword here. I think that we'll talk about for the next uh, week or so over a seven game series, the chess match. Right? Seven game series is all about adjustments and how each team is going to tinker with lineups and concepts and what they're going to roll out there on a nightly basis from game to game. And that kind of circles back to what I talked about at the beginning of the broadcast with the experience that they could have gotten last year as valuable as that would have been for the players. I think that also would have been equally as valuable for JB Bickerstaff to have a series, to be able to kind of tinker with things and figure out what a series is going to look like. Uh, And I mean, let's face it last, last year, if if they would have advanced into the playoffs, that would have been about as a low pressure of a situation of a playoff situation as you could have expected for that team. Yeah, no doubt about it, John. And and that you make some great points there on just what you're kind of taking away from this one. I think you're right. Like, to see them play to their identity tonight was was huge. And part of that identity, I think, has been their ability to rebound, no pun intended, and bounce back from, you know, a tough loss or a bad quarter or whatever it might be. I mean, how many times do we find ourselves watching this team where they, they got off to a slow start and then in the fourth quarter they were down maybe 20 points at one point and they, they're, they're within, you know, a bucket of, of winning a game. So that's kind of been their, their hallmark of the season for better, or for worse. It's probably given a lot of fans anxiety out there, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of been what they've done all year. So I'm not surprised they bounced back the way they did. I said it pregame with you, Brendan, like we were going to learn a lot about this Cavs team tonight. It was either going to be they're down Oh two and we're sitting here saying, all right, they just weren't ready for this stage yet, or they were going to bounce back like they've done all year and stay true to their identity. And that's the result that we get. So uh, for me, I guess, as you look ahead to games three and four in New York, um, I am, I'm like, I sort of brought up earlier. I'm curious to see what travels well with them and what they're able to do on the road. We know they've had road issues all year that we know they've struggled in, in those situations where they got to travel to an opponent's arena this is obviously even higher scale when you're talking playoff, playoff basketball, different atmosphere. But, um, you know, those role players, that's always the thing they say is uh, can they perform to the same level that they do at home when the crowd's not behind them on the road and that type of situation. So I think the defense, it has to start with defense for them. It has to start with what they did tonight. They got to come out with that same aggression and, and hope that the defensive energy and effort sort of translates into scoring on the other, the other end. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how they come out now that the season's evened up. We know they're going to have to at least take one in New York if they're going to have a chance to win this series, and hopefully they can get that done here in the next couple games. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I think now that we, we got it out of the way with them evening it up and they respond, now the question is, all right, can you take it on the road and keep that same intensity level that you had tonight in the next couple games? I mean, for me, it would be easy to, to point to Darius Garland because of how hot the start was. But I actually think the guy that I was most impressed with tonight, well, maybe there's two guys because I I'm I, I shouldn't get rid of Karis Levert as carelessly as I was going to there. He played <laughs> so well. But for me, it was more about Evan Mobley. Well, there's something to me that can be really unique about Mobley's skill set. But because he's not the biggest, the strongest guy on the floor, he's gotten stronger, right? He's He has shown he can play a little more physical. Julius Randle is a bully, and he pushed around. Uh, Evan, look, you know, I'm not doing that. Enough's enough. We're going to go back, and, and I'm going to start swinging myself. I thought that was so important for him to do that. So I was really impressed with the way Mobley came back and played tonight because um, I think anybody else team have get back game and more Darius Garland um, after you know a, a lack of aggressiveness there in game one. Any final thoughts, guys? Spence, go for it if you got one. <laughs> um, it's not, I, I guess. Okay. I'll, I'll just I'll just go with, I'll just go with a message to the fans of saying. Don't read into anything too much. I, I think we we obviously all watched game one. It was a little frustrating to see the way they played. Um, you know, three days ago, the sky was falling. It was time to fire J.B. Bickerstaff, although I guess it's been time to fire J.B. Bickerstaff for a couple months now. Um, and now after game one, you know, we can't overreact. Similarly to the way that we overreacted to game one, like, yeah, they played great tonight, but we know they got to come out and do that again. It's a, it's, it's a reason it's a series. It's not a one-off. Um, so yeah, let's, let's just try to keep level heads here and go into game three and four, uh, hoping that the Cavs can replicate what they did tonight. That's the runway that, uh, Kobe Altman was talking about at the beginning of the season, right? You got to let it ride. Uh, one other thing well, I did have to bring a full here. circle, John, way to bring a full circle. <laughs> that was almost, almost a year ago, right? Uh, one other thing I did have circled down here, uh, you know, we talked about this, the team's, this team's ability to, to rebound and have some comebacks late in games this season. I thought it was great and key that they did not let that lead unravel because we have seen some 20-point leads get away from them at times in the second half, and you're sitting there thinking, how, did they, how, how is this a one-possession game now? Double-digit lead the entire way. I thought that, that was also critical to see. Yeah, totally agree. Really impressive that they not only grabbed that lead but then hung on and put it away, and frankly, there was never really, uh, never really any doubt in it. All right, that'll wrap up game two from Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Again, final score, 107 to 90. We've got all the latest over on CavsInsider.com to get you caught up here post-game. For Spencer German, for John Rutter, and for Tommy Wilde, who did a bunch of the uh, the written content content over on the website tonight, I'm Brendan Gulick. We'll see you again soon. Game three coming up on Fridays. The Cavs head to the Big Apple, try to take the series lead for the first time here in the postseason.